0: Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. All right, just, just, let's just frankly admit some stuff tonight. How many people are stressed? How many of you got some stress going on? You're dealing with something. It's been a little hectic. It's been a little bit crazy. How many of you here need some rest? Let me hear you say amen. I, I, you know, that sounded like a stressed amen. You know, it was. it's that thing where someone tells you to sit, do something and you're like, I just wow, I can't even think Amen. We need some rest. Now, this is all part of the season, right? You had an incredible summer. You were cruising along. Stuff was going. And then out of nowhere, fall hit. And school started up, and the work deadlines started piling up, and everything that you didn't do while you were on vacation just still needed to get done. And now you're back at it, and some stuff didn't go right in that friendship and in in that relationship. And you're just trying to figure it out, man. just... Just barely holding your head above water. I I don't know why this happened to me, but this past week, I have been the more tired, the most tired that I've been in a long time. Part of it was probably because God knew I was going to talk about rest for the stressed. But yesterday, if I would have sat down and held still for like two minutes, I would have fallen asleep. It was that bad. And I'm like, what changed? I don't know. It was just that season. And wherever you are at and whatever you are doing, we all share this common problem of stress, of busyness, of anxiety. And this is something that weighs down on us. So for the next four Sundays, as a church, we're going to talk about rest for the stressed. And every Sunday that you're able to be here, you're going to hear a couple of things from us. You're going to hear some common sense, and you're going to hear some Bible sense. You know, what does Jesus have to say about rest and about stress? And believe it or not, there's quite a bit there in God's Word for us when it comes to rest. And in some of those cases, you're going to find that the Bible sense sounds a lot like the common sense. But in other places, you're going to find that the Bible sense is like something you might not of thought to be true or thought to do. So it might be new for you. And so I want you to lean in. I want to encourage you to keep coming back as we deal with rest for the stressed. And tonight, the topic that we're going to talk about is simply this. You need to rest yourself before you wreck yourself. Amen? There, there's going to be a significant problem if you keep running the race of life stressed. And tonight we're gonna talk about what that is and how that looks like and and what are some dangers that you need to avoid and then start to spill over a couple of these common sense and Bible sense solutions. Now before you you think everybody that the Bible talks about has this all together, I wanna just right off the bat let you know that most people even in the Bible were stressed. There's all kinds of stress as you flip through the pages and there's all kinds of reason for that stress when you see story after story after story. None of us, no matter how spiritual we are, are immune to stress. And one of the greatest characters in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. And Paul is the guy that we get to credit for most of our New Testament. He wrote more books in the Bible than than any other person. And when you think about Paul, you think about this spiritual giant who gave his life to Jesus, who did incredible things, and as a result of Paul's life, our world has drastically changed. And, and this guy is like the general of spiritual people. I mean, he was close to God. He had stuff figured out, right? This is, this is Paul. I, I want to show you something that Paul wrote for us. And, and you're going to find out that, that Paul had a serious struggle with stress. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians. If not, we're going to put some stuff on the screen there for you. And if you're here tonight and you don't have your own Bible, there are some Bibles in the back and in the front, and uh, we want you to take that Bible with you on your way out as a gift. Uh, we'd love for you to just have that and to keep that. Uh, and you can follow along with us uh, through the service in your Bible on the screen or online if you go to the follow-along card on our website. So in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11... This starts this interesting conversation that Paul gives us. And, and starting in verse 23, Paul says this, stress is making me crazy. Now, I changed it. That's what he said. He said, I'm talking like a madman. I'm talking like a crazy person. He's having this conversation about life and about spirituality and about God and about Jesus. And he's going over and over it. And he says, I'm talking like a madman uh, with far greater work Than you. In other words, I got a little bit going on. Paul says, I have had far more imprisonments than you. How many of you have been in prison more than one time? No, don't raise your hand. But this guy had a lot of work to do and he kept getting interrupted by jail time. He had countless beatings. That's like my childhood. Right? Spankings, not, not the bad kind of beating. And was often near death. Poor Paul. He's just getting started. In the next verse, Paul says this. Five times I received, I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. I'm not sure why he just didn't say 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, most people did not survive stonings. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea. It gets worse. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. How many of you are stressed? Somebody always has it worse, Right? Paul is, is in some extreme pressure situations. Every time he, he went on a journey in a boat, it seemed to crash. Every time he went somewhere, someone was out to get him or kill him or arrest him. Every time he seemed to start getting a handle on things, it went worse. And he had to worry about things that most of us don't ever have to worry about Our lives are not in danger. We have plenty of food in our refrigerator and drink to drink. We have clothes and ways to stay warm. Paul had a lot of stress. And it was not just a season of his life. It followed him throughout his life. And then Paul admits something that most of us don't freely admit. Paul says this, and apart from all other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my, what's that next word? Anxiety. For all the churches. You see, what Paul was doing was incredible when you know his story. Paul started off as an enemy of Jesus. He was killing followers of Jesus. And then Paul actually met Jesus. And Paul was convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, God. That Jesus actually rose again from the dead after dying on the cross for our sins. And that Jesus was the Messiah or the Savior of the world that the Bible talks about. And Paul went from a terrorist who killed Christians to the greatest evangelist, And the thing that he committed his life to after meeting Jesus was building the church. And so he was traveling from town to town, starting churches. And a church is not a building, and it's not a program. The church is a group of people that gather together to follow Jesus, to love the Lord their God with all the heart, and to love their neighbor as themselves. Making disciples of Jesus all along the way. So Paul was forming these communities in these towns, and that's why he was stressed. That's why people were trying to kill him. That's why he was in danger. That's why he was shipwrecked. And he wasn't just concerned for his own safety. He was concerned for these communities all around the world, communities that he once hunted. He had angst about their safety. He had concern about their spiritual progress. He had anxiety for the churches that he loved. Paul was anxious. The spiritual general. If you are here tonight and you are struggling with stress, with busyness, with anxiety, with worry, with depression, or with anger, Hear this clearly. You are not alone. You do not have to struggle in silence. You do not have to be embarrassed about the turmoil you are facing, whether it's your fault or whether it was just placed upon you. Paul freely admitted his struggle with anxiety, and Paul loved God But I'm here to say that he just didn't leave it there. Because of Paul's struggle, he was the appropriate person to warn us of a couple of dangers. And so this evening, we want to talk about resting yourself before you wreck yourself. There are some dangers that you need to avoid. There are three specific dangers that come up in and through Scripture that we're going to talk about this evening real quickly and then get to our common sense and then our Bible sense. And it's, if you're struggling with any of these things that I mentioned, you're going to immediately understand these dangers. And this is, these dangers are why you need to rest yourself before you wreck yourself. Danger number one, stress can wreck your peace. Stress can wreck your peace. Let me just say this about peace. Peace is not present when there's anxiety. As a matter of fact, Paul was the one that knew this best. It is very difficult to find peace in the midst of an anxious situation or an anxious heart. My wife and I were married for seven years. From 2001 to 2008 were some of the most peaceful years of our lives. We even had a great first year of marriage. But something happened in 2008 that changed everything. We had a baby, and all of a sudden, peace was gone. I used to sleep through the night without interruption. I used to be able to eat my own food without worrying about what other people were doing with their food. I used to be able to clean my own plate without having to deal with someone else's mess. Not just on their plate, but on their entire body. We had a baby and anxiety entered our lives like a train running down the track. And all peace was gone. Our daughter, beautiful girl, love her to pieces, would go through everything that we went through to have her again. But man, oh man, oh man. she was When she came out of the hospital, she was under five pounds. She was a teeny, teeny, tiny little fragile baby. Talk about a dad whose job is to protect this little piece of glass, right, that could just shatter at any moment. I'm freaking out here. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? If I breathe on it wrong, I'm going to break it. And, I, you know, just I was concerned about her safety. I was concerned about her size. I was concerned about her weight. And, and my, my poor wife, that kid didn't sleep for more than two hours ever. She was up constantly. And now whenever someone we know has a baby, we go up to them, and the first question I ask is, how is this baby sleeping? Those parents that are like, oh, our baby sleeps like 12 hours a night. Makes me throw up my mouth a little. I go to them, I'm like, I am so happy for you. We didn't sleep for four years for more than two hours at a time. And then we had another baby. And the same thing started happening again. It's hard to have peace in the midst of anxiety. And anxiety can come from anywhere. I, <clears throat> the second, uh, what Paul says to us about peace He gives us this warning in Philippians chapter 4. He says, Don't be anxious about anything. This is the guy who admitted he was anxious. This is the guy that said he struggles with stress. He said, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, another word for prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart in the end your minds in Christ Jesus you see peace cannot be present with anxiety the two do not coexist they are like oil and water and if you want peace you got to get rid of the anxiety but if you don't have peace anxiety enters the second danger you need to avoid is that stress can wreck your joy stress can wreck your joy now Stressed people are generally not happy people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you try to tell a stressed person a joke, they don't laugh most of the time. When you prank somebody who's stressed, right, you're going to go out up to them and you're going to give them a wet willy in the ear and you're going to laugh it off. They're not going to laugh it off. Stressed people really struggle with joy. And there's lots of things that can come in and take your joy away. Things that used to be fun, things where you used to have a great time, all of a sudden become very, very difficult and toilsome. What was once fun is now torture. Some people, when they start a new job or they go into a new adventure or they begin a new church, it's just awesome until the work piles up, the responsibilities layer on top of them. Until new people come into the picture. And when they used to like going to work every day, now they just can't stand it. What changed? Stress changed. It's hard to have joy in the midst of a stressful situation. Same thing can happen in your marriage. It can start off great. And then all of a sudden it gets real, real difficult. When the relationship starts to wane, when the distance falls in, when you realize they're not as perfect as you thought they were during the engagement period. It can happen when you're traveling. A lot of us look forward to the next great vacation. We plan for it. We pay for it. In my pocket right now, I have a Disney credit card. And when I use my card to buy something, I get points towards a trip to Disney. Because someday, we're going to Disneyland. And it's going to be amazing, and the kids are going to have a great time. The problem with me and traveling is something I call go mode. And if you've ever been married to somebody who goes into go mode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is supposed to be a fun vacation. We're supposed to put our stuff in the car and be relaxed and get g- drive down the road and get to our vacation spot and just chill. But when dad gets into go mode, it's like some general has given us marching orders that must be followed with threat of execution if they're not. And all of a sudden everything has to be in its right place and we got to get here and we're going to miss this deadline and this time and you're frustrating me and I can't believe you're not doing this right and don't ask me any more questions and we're going to get there when we get there. And what was going to be fun and joy-filled vacation now becomes stress-filled and angst-filled and everybody's mad at everybody. Stress can wreck your joy. What used to be fun, politics, now can be torture. Now, that's a bad example. Politics was never fun. Just forget I ever said anything about politics. That's just stress on top of stress. So Paul gives us some advice about joy. Paul says, listen, the guy that was shipwrecked, the guy that was in jail, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. We're not supposed to go through life with our joy being robbed. When Jesus came, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. So we need to rest ourselves before we wreck our joy. And the last danger we need to avoid is this. Stress can wreck your heart, soul, and mind. Stress can wreck Your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is some unbelievable numbers. Chronic stress. Experts warn about chronic stress. The CDC reports that 110 million people die every year as a direct result of stress. Seven people every two seconds. Stress wrecks your heart. Chronic stress is is related to heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, anxiety disorder, and many other illnesses. Chronic stress is linked to six leading causes of death, including heart disease, cancer, something bad with your lungs, accidents, and the rest. You need to rest yourself before you wreck yourself because stress is very bad for your physical health if you're here today, you know that this is not new news. I'm not saying anything that is surprising to you. If you or someone you know has ever had a heart attack, if you traveled with someone that's gone down that road, one of the first things the doctors are going to talk to you about is your stress levels and how do you get a handle on it. So stress wrecks your heart. Stress also wrecks your soul. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his soul? Not only will stress make you spiritually sick, stress can make you spirit, uh, not only physically sick, it can make you spiritually sick. I, most people that I meet think that God is a good God. They think that reading the Bible is a good thing. They think that prayer is, is a healthy habit, and it's something they like, and they're grateful for. They even think, most people, that church is a good place to be. But most people I meet do not participate in any of those, even though they think it's a good thing. And let me submit to you that busyness and stress is one of the major reasons people are not involved in spiritually healthy activities like Bible reading, like prayer, like fellowshipping together in the church. Stress and busyness is one of the primary reasons people have a difficult time loving God and loving their neighbor as themselves. Most people I meet would like to show the love of God to their neighbors. They're just too busy to do it. There's too much stress in their lives. One of the great dangers with stress is it can wreck your soul. And when you're just surviving instead of thriving, when you're just getting through the day and crashing, and when every hour is accounted for and every, uh, every one of your feelings and every fiber of your being is extended to its end, your soul is being strangled out. And you don't even know it. Yet the Bible tells us that our spiritual health is one of the most important factors in rest. There's a parable that Jesus tells in the book of Luke, and it's called the parable of the sower. And the sower takes his bag of seeds and he throws it out on the ground. And in the story, there's different parts of uh, ground where the seed falls. Some of the seed falls on the stones, and, it, and and nothing happens to it. Some of the seeds falls onto a trail, and people walk over it, and it never produces fruit some of the seed falls in good ground it plants itself and it grows up and it produces the fruit that it's supposed to there's a fourth soil that the seed falls into and that's soil that starts off as good ground and the seed begins to grow but weeds come in and choke out the fruit and kills it and the people listening to the story asked Jesus what it meant and he explained to him that the sower the farmer was God. And he's sowing the seeds of the gospel, a spiritual, spiritually healthy soul, a relationship with God. And some some people who hear about the gospel, their hearts are hard and the seed doesn't take any root and they're just simply not interested. But there's a whole category of people who are interested in the gospel. They make a profession of faith. They accept Jesus into their lives. And and they want to grow in their relationship with God, but they don't because the gospel gets choked out. And these listeners asked Jesus what he meant by weeds, what's choking out the fruit of the gospel. And he said to them, the weeds are the busyness of life. The concerns of life choke out the seed of the gospel that's trying to take root in our lives. One of the greatest dangers of stress is it can choke and kill our spiritual health. Rest yourself before you wreck yourself. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, in relation to the mind, Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure... Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When you are stressed, what are you thinking about? Not this. You're thinking about the problem. You're thinking about the stress. You're thinking about what could go wrong. What might happen. Trying to work the solution. And stress and busyness can take our mind and wreck it, and we don't get to see the awesome blessings that are surrounding all of us. If you've ever been in the midst of terrible or sudden tragedy, something awful happens to you, and, and again, no fault of your own, you're just there and we're all there at some point, it can be very hard to see the good in the midst of pain, in the midst of, heart attack, in the midst of heartache. Several Christmases ago, Uh, Jenny and I were visiting her family and we drove home from Michigan just to get a phone call that her dad, who was in his early 60s, had suddenly died of a heart attack. And man, that was one of the hardest periods in our life. We immediately got back on a plane and went to be with family and and were traveling through the depths of grief and despair. The valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist calls it. And in those moments... It wasn't until I looked back that I was able to be thankful for all of the things that happened to us and for us in the midst of that season of pain. But when we were in the pain, it was just the pain that we saw. And anxiety and stress can take your minds and can wreck it and cause you only to see the negative and not to see the positive. And Paul says, listen, I've been shipwrecked. I've been hunted. I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. And I'm, not, I'm telling you, don't think about those things. Think about what is good and praiseworthy so that stress doesn't wreck your mind. Trusting Jesus doesn't mean you won't face stress. It just means that you'll know how to rest when you do. Tonight, as we give you a couple of common sense and Bible sense answers to stress and to rest, over the next few weeks as we give you some answers to stress and to rest, I want to just remind you of this simple truth that's going to guide us. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about a relationship with Jesus and how important all that is. That doesn't mean all of a sudden your life will become easy. It does mean that you will have a solution to the problems that life has. You know, our our lives are now surrounded by technology, and anytime that you want to, you can download an app to help you with anything. And one of my favorite things to do is to get somebody's smartphone and see what apps they have, because I want to see if they have a cool one that I don't have. And literally, there is an app for that. If you need help, there's an app for that. Long before we had smartphones, we had the Word of God. And one of my favorite truths about God's Word is that there is an app for everything that you are facing in God's word. He has an answer, he has a solution, and he has a place for you to go. If you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're busy, if you're discouraged, if you're depressed, if you're angry, Jesus has an answer for you. There is an app for that, and we want to point you to where you can go to help with whatever situation you are dealing with. So choose to rest yourself before you wreck yourself. Now let me just end with a couple of thoughts for you. I want to give you first some common sense, right? Are you ready for this? This is going to be mind-blowing. Put your seatbelts on. The next statement I'm going to say is going to blow your mind. If you need rest, get more sleep. Need more rest? Get more sleep. And all God's people said, amen. You know, that season with having a a baby in our life who was underweight and who ate constantly throughout the night is one of the hardest seasons for anyone. Now, there's a a bunch of you in here that are pregnant, and I don't want to scare you. I don't want to make you upset or anything, but it is really hard. It's so tough, I mean, to not be able to get the sleep that you need. And we're going to just point to some things tonight, and you might be in a season where it feels like sleep is not a possibility. But I want to tell you, this is important stuff. And while it may be common sense, it is not sense that we're all always following. Remember, I told you this last week I was more tired than I've ever been? It was one of the m- most m- most tiring weeks or two weeks that I've had. And yesterday I could have fallen asleep at a moment. If I would point to you to my sleep patterns over the last two weeks, I, you would go, no wonder you're tired. One of the things that I got in the habit of doing was taking my smartphone to bed, and all you went, mm, 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 mm. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to play chess before I fell asleep. I don't know why I've gotten into chess on my phone, but I'm like, I'll just fall asleep playing chess. This is a very bad decision because I am a competitive person, and I lose at chess all the time. And I, these people from France and, and, and Canada, instead of I'm playing on the app, they beat me. And after 15 minutes of just constant angst, I lose. And guess what I have to do? play again. And I have to play again until I win. The problem is I don't win. And I've been finding myself, I've been playing chess when I go to bed for a couple weeks now, I've been finding myself having angry dreams. Just dreams where I'm frustrated and mad. And I'm just not sleeping well and I wake up and I'm like, why am I so mad? And I'm like, it's because I lost a chess right before I fell asleep. If you need more rest, get more sleep, Josh. Put your phone down and stop playing chess before you go to bed. Just go to bed, right? This is common sense stuff, but it's stuff that we need to hear. Now, I'm gonna give you a couple of things. Before you be like, this is not that spiritual. Why are we getting preached to this at church? Listen to this. We we are whole. We are whole, complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied up to our spiritual well-being, our mental outlook, our relationships, including our relationships with God, sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. This was a quote from D.A. Carson in a sermon that he spoke called a A Sermon on Religious Doubt. And he pointed to the lack of sleep as one of the six top reasons people doubt their faith. It becomes very difficult to have a, a healthy spiritual outlook when you are sleep-deprived. It, it becomes very difficult to have healthy relationships when you're exhausted. And his point at, his point is, whoever you are, wherever you're at, we are a whole being. And if you neglect your physical health, if you neglect your your sleep, it's going to have a negative effect on your spiritual life. How many of us have wrecked our Sundays because of what happened on Saturday night. And we wanted to have a spiritually healthy Sunday, but we torpedoed it because we didn't rest the night before. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24, we looked at this a few weeks ago. A book all about wisdom says, keep sound wisdom and discretion, which comes from the fear of the Lord. And if you do this, if you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Even, even Solomon, the wisest man in the world, said, we need sweet sleep. And maybe, maybe you're one of those people that says, no, I can survive on four hours of sleep. You can't. And it's not a badge of honor to get as little sleep as possible to be able to get more work done This quote from Carrie Neumhoff says, Arrested you is a better you. Just ask your wife. Just ask your kids. And just ask your team. The reason that this is a powerful statement from Carrie is because Carrie is the pastor of one of the biggest churches in Canada. And Carrie went through a season where he burned out in ministry. He completely crashed. He had a nervous breakdown and he wrote a book about it. And one of the things he pointed to as the reason for his burnout was. Lack of sleep. He wasn't sleeping the right amount of time, and he wasn't sleeping well. And it impacted him in every area of his life, his marriage, his kids, and his church. You tend to be cranky when you're tired. You tend to push God out when you're tired. So get more sleep. Kerry gave some advice about getting more sleep. He said, develop better sleep routines. It, and this is, a, this is a blog post called Sleep, the Secret Leadership Weapon Nobody Wants to Talk About. We're going to post this on our social media. So if you haven't liked us or followed us on Facebook, please do. And we'll give you this entire article. There's lots of advice here. But just to sum it up, he says, go to bed at the same time every night. You will sleep better if you do. He said, go to bed earlier. Instead of staying up late to get things done, get up earlier to get your work done. Sleep in a dark room. Ready for this? Electronics off, chess boy. I work with teenagers and parents of teenagers all the time, and one of the, most, one of the worst things you can do as a teenager is sleep with your electronics in your room. Don't even have them in there. It's a killer for your sleep routines, getting notifications and buzzes and phone calls, and if it's a real emergency, they will find you. Life will continue to go on, or you'll just sleep through it. I love my phone, but it's off, Carrie says. Four, get as good a mattress as you can. You'll spend one-third of your life on it, and five, Don't eat much before bed. It helps you sleep better. It really does. Now, I want to give you some Bible sense here as we close our talk tonight. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read a quick story about two characters in the Bible called Mary and Martha. They were sisters, and they got the privilege of hosting Jesus. My favorite Bible sense is things that Jesus says. So what does Jesus say about resting before you wreck yourself? So let's listen to this story together. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Mar- Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Just so you understand the picture, Jesus comes in, we're hosting a dinner party. When it was Jesus, it wasn't just Jesus, it was also his disciples and all his followers. Sometimes it could be up to 70 people. Martha and Mary were now hosting this large group of people, including Jesus, who was famous at that time. And Martha was doing all the work, and Mary sat down, plopped, and listened. As we go on with the evening, and she, Martha, went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all my serving alone? Whenever I tell Delaney and Will to do their chores, right, if they're both not doing chores, I'm hearing about it from the other one. Why am I doing all the work and they get to be on their iPad, right? This was the conversation that Martha's having with Jesus. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me because she's obviously listening to you, not me. And in verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Right? He wasn't mad. He wasn't upset. He just had a, a, a voice full of compassion, and he's gonna get ready to correct her. And so he says her name two times, right? Well, well, right. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It wasn't that Martha had a lot of work to do as a host, that was not her problem. It was her anxiety and her troubledness in the midst of her busyness. She was anxious. She was fretting. She was troubled that it wouldn't go right and it wouldn't be perfect and that not everything would get done. And Jesus immediately pointed this out. Rest is not the absence of activity. Don't think that you've got to put everything down and get into this kind of zen place in order for yourself to rest. Rest. We are always, always going to have things to do. The answer is learning how to do those things without being anxious and troubled about them. Jesus goes on and he says, but one thing is necessary. Just one. He's going to give one piece of advice. And Mary has chosen the good portion or the good thing, which will not and should not be taken away. Away from her. Mary found the one thing that is necessary and needed for rest. Let me put it this way No single practice brings more rest than listening at the feet of Jesus. No single practice brings more rest than listening at the feet of Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. I have put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he rose again from the dead, and that he is presently now in heaven alongside of God the Father. I believe that Jesus gives us the Bible, the New Testament, and the Old Testament. And I am a follower of Jesus, and I listen to Jesus. And when I am busy and when I am stressed, I often turn him off. But the one thing you need to deal with stress, anxiety, worry, and discouragement is the voice of Jesus. Don't ever turn him off. Don't ever schedule something over your time with Jesus. Don't ever push him out of your day or your week or your season of life. We'll get back to Jesus when. We'll get back to church if. Because the single most important thing you can do to rest is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Kevin DeYoung says in his book, Crazy Busy, this is the best advice I know. Devote yourself to the word of God and to prayer. This means public worship and private worship. For me, my private worship starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe that the Bible teaches that every single one of us need to have a personal relationship with Jesus And a personal relationship with Jesus doesn't happen by working. It doesn't doesn't happen by praying. It doesn't happen by going to church. You begin a personal relationship with Jesus when you accept him as Lord and Savior. And a lot of people are doing a lot of things because they think it gets them closer to God. There is one thing that connects you to God, and it's a belief in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And if you are in danger of being wrecked tonight, don't let your soul be the thing that is wrecked. Give your soul to Jesus and trust in him as your personal savior. It is a simple thing that even a child could do, but it's something that only you can do for yourself. No religion, no service, no other person can begin your private worship. It is a decision that you must make. And tonight there are, are some of you that are here tonight and you're going through some very difficult times. You're dealing with some incredible stress. There may even be a battle with addiction that's, that's uh, causing you to stumble and fall over and over again. Listen, the answer to this is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you in this moment, in this evening, to begin that relationship or to renew that relationship. Listen, it's not about saying a prayer. ton of people say a prayer about getting saved and they never follow Jesus. It's about believing and trusting him and giving him your life. The Bible calls it being born again. And when you are born again, you're born into life anew and a life that follows after Jesus hard. So it's personal. It's personal time then with Jesus in his word. It's personal time of prayer. It's stuff that you can't let get pushed out of your day. But it's also public. It's a public commitment to growing your relationship with God. Man did not invent the church. Jesus did. Jesus invented the church for his children and his disciples. He asks us to build the church. He asks us to be a part of the church. And he asks us to add disciples to the church. But in the busyness of life, a lot of us abandon church. And there's a lot of reasons why we abandon church. There's a lot of buildings out there around the world that have the label on the front of it, church. And listen, I want to tell you right here, right now, don't believe it. Not every building and not every place that labels themselves a church is a church where public worship takes place. You need to find yourself a church that is full of people that are devoted to Jesus and the gospel and God's word. That's the most important qualification of a church. It's not about a religion or a religious system, it's not about a bunch of things that you do and traditions that you go through. It's about your personal relationship with Jesus. And a church is only a church when it's following Jesus, when it's pointing to Jesus, and when you have opportunity to sit and listen at Jesus' feet every time you're a part of it. A church is a group of people that are committed to loving God and loving their neighbor as themselves. And a lot of places that call themselves churches are absent Jesus. And that is not a church. And if you're here tonight and you're like, you know what, I've been to church a lot, but I haven't heard about accepting Jesus. I've always been told that I have to do something in order to get saved, in order to go to heaven. I have to give something or go through some motions or say some magic words. Then that was not a healthy church. Tonight we're here to tell you that the only thing you need to do to be saved is to accept Jesus into your life, to believe in him. That's it. And then you get to follow him and learn more about him. And at the feet of Jesus is where rest is found. It's public. The church is God's plan for rest. I want you to test me in this. If you're going through something hard, if you're going through something difficult, if there's stress in your life, what I am saying to you tonight that the Bible says is find a church, the kind of church that the Bible describes, a Jesus-following, gospel-believing church, find that church and then be a part of it, and that's where you will find rest. Test me on this. See if that's not how it works out, because that's the answer that the Bible gives. Listen to all of these statements that Jesus says. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus said that I will build my church. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Jesus said, be still and know I am God. If you are wrestling with stress, you need to run to the feet of Jesus and listen to him. If you need to rest yourself before you wreck yourself, you need to renew your relationship with Jesus. I read an article this past week about a typical church family. And this typical church family was a husband and wife and a couple of kids, and he served on the deacon board at his church, and they they were committed core team members of their church. And there are 52 weeks in a year. And church happens every single one of those Sundays in this particular family's life. But this family, in the last few years, has attended an average of 28 of those 52 Sundays. Yet they call themselves committed to their church. And not blaming them and not judging them, but trying to figure out what was going on and why were they coming to a little bit more than half of the Sundays, what was causing them to go. And as I read the article, it said... You know, they they went on vacation four times, and so they missed four Sundays then. Their their one son had joined a sports group team, which was awesome, but it caused them to miss eight more Sundays. They had some family that came into town, and so they, on those Sundays, weren't able to be there. That caused them to miss two more. And before you know it, the number went four here, two here, eight there, six here. 20-plus Sundays they missed, gathering together with the church. And then that family was struggling with Stress, with busyness, with anxiety, because they had disconnected from the place that God designed for them to be the place and time and season of rest. Listen, God didn't create Sabbath or a day of rest for Himself. He created it for us. And He asked us to rest in Him on a regular, weekly basis. In Genesis 2, chapter 2, It says that God created the heavens and earth, right? In six days. On the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. He rested. He rested. Where do we find rest? At the feet of Jesus. So I want to encourage you with these thoughts tonight. I want to invite you, if you're here tonight and this is your first time or maybe you've been a couple of times, to consider Branch Life as a church where you can rest. We believe as a church that we are better together. And that's why I'm wearing the shirt that I'm wearing that says Together, Branch Life Church. And we want to gather as many people that are interested in following Jesus as we can. We want to strengthen your connection to Christ so that you can reach our world. We want to love our neighbors. We want to be here for Potts Town. And we want to do what the Bible asks us to do as a church. And we get the name Branch Life from a passage in John chapter 5 where it says, You are the vine. Jesus says, you are the vine, I'm the branch. I got that mixed around. (laughs) I'm the vine, you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We as branches can do nothing apart from Jesus. We exist as a church to strengthen your connection to Jesus so that you can be a stronger branch that's able to do more for other people. So would you consider joining us? Would you consider making a commitment even just for the next three Sundays? And I want to show you what we're going to talk about over these next three Sundays. Next Sunday night, we're going to talk about rest for the tech stressed. And there's a whole new phenomenon in our generation called technology, smartphones, iPads, and everything else that starts with I. And we are learning as a a generation how to deal with this stuff. Anxiety, depression, and suicide are at all-time high levels, and the experts tell us that it's directly connected to our tech. We're going to talk about it, and listen, remember I told you the Bible has an app for that? I believe that the Bible gives us answers that will help us have some common sense and some Bible sense about how to deal with tech, and how to use it appropriately, and and some guardrails that we can have in our lives. In two weeks, we're going to talk about rest for the stressed, sick, and tired. And if you're sick and tired or being sick and tired, this is a Sunday for you. We're going to talk about how you can wrestle through with some of this stuff and what, again, some of the Bible has to give us answers for it. And then our, our conclusion Sunday, we're going to talk more about real rest for the stress. There's a lot of confusion about how you get rest and what the right way and the wrong way to do it is. We're going to talk about the real way to get stressed. So maybe this is a simple way for you to get plugged in. And if you're struggling out there, I want to test me on this. Plan to be a part of it. Don't let this get chopped out of your season of life and plug into Jesus through his church. If you're a regular part of Branch Life, if you're one of our core team members or our regular attenders, would you make the same commitment? We're going to be here three Sundays. We're not going to be here just 20-some Sundays out of the year. We're going to make it a priority to be with our church because it's the place where we connect to God and get rest for our souls. And make that commitment and be faithful in it. And that's countercultural. It's hard to do. But it can be done. It can be done. And just commit that to the Lord as we move forward. You have a card with you, and I want to encourage you to take that card and fill it out. On your way out, there's going to be people with baskets, and you can uh, just drop that card for us in the basket on your way out. And if it's your first time here, would you please just let us know that, that you're a guest, and we'd love to know that you're here. We want to be able to make a donation in your name. And we want to thank you for being a part of Branch Life tonight. There's also a question that I want you to respond to and you can do it during this next song. And and it's simply this, how will you rest yourself before you wreck yourself? And if there's a way that we can pray for you or a way that we can be an encouragement to you, go ahead and write it down on that card. If you just want to think out loud, that card can be the place for you to do it. There's a couple other areas where you can respond. Tonight, I want to invite those of you that are here tonight and you're not sure if you're following Jesus. You're not sure if you're saved. Maybe you've been religious for a long time, but you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus. I want to invite you tonight to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you can do that in the quietness of the moment by just simply saying to him, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again from, from the dead. And I want to trust you to save me. Will you do it? Will you trust in Jesus tonight as your personal Savior? And tonight, if you pray that prayer, Or if you want to have that conversation, let us know on the card or mark it there for us. And if you are a believer and you haven't yet been baptized, man, we're getting ready to do a baptism soon. You can let us know that you're interested in it. And if you're here, you're a regular attender, but you're not yet a core team member and you would like to become one, we would love to know that as we move forward. Thank you again so much for being a part. I want you to consider these things. So I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. We're going to sing one more song and then we'll be dismissed. Dear God and Heavenly Father, For all of those that have come tonight and are dealing with stress, with anxiety, with hurt, with pain, with discouragement. God, with addiction and and with all kinds of other uh, struggles and hurts and storms. Lord, we pray that you would be the answer for all of those pains. And God, that you would provide for each and every one the rest that is needed. As we consider our steps from here, Lord, just allow us to go from this place and even to think in this moment about how we can rest ourselves before we wreck ourselves. God, give us great clarity. In the quietness of the moment, as we get ready to sing the next song, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to one more time visit this thought about accepting Jesus. I want to allow you these moments, for those of you here who aren't sure, but you would like to make sure, to consider talking to God about becoming a follower of Jesus tonight. And as I'm speaking, you can begin that conversation. You can just talk to the Lord in the quietness of the moment. You can tell him about your stress. You can tell him about your anxiety. But tonight, tell Jesus to take care of your soul. If you're here tonight and you'd like to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you'd like to be born again. Simply, quietly repeat these words in your thoughts. Pray them as a prayer to God. Just say, Lord, I, tonight I want to trust you. I want to trust you with my life. I want to trust you with my salvation. I believe in you. I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. And I want to accept you into my life. Remember this, it's not about a prayer. It's about becoming a follower of Jesus with your life. And tonight you want to begin that journey. we want to encourage you to do that. If that's something you've done, please let us know on the cards. If you have any more questions, after the service is over, we're going to have a prayer team members here in the front. Anybody who would like to pray with one of the prayer team members about anything, they're going to be here to pray with you as we close our service. God, we thank you again for this time. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Will you all stand with us as we close out this service of worship? Found in your name.